Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast. Adam Stenko is out west. Just two plugged in dudes talking hoops and a little bit of life. We always appreciate the feedback. Great feedback once again on our long form edition, the going ISO edition of rejecting the screen with Ronnie Nunn. Plus, we're getting a lot of text about the media rants. So that's something that unique that the two of us can bring, having seen this business from so many different sides. So keep the comments coming. And if you feel the need to text, do us a favor, just copy and paste that text into Mm. an Apple review on Apple Podcasts, click the five stars, and just paste that text in there. And if you're going to comment on social media about the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, then again, take that, please, and paste it into your Apple Podcast review. That's right. That's right. So coming up in the little bit of life, I'll give you that job update. Got a full update about 30 minutes ago, right before Mm -hmm. we started recording. But first, (laughs) the spotlight on the stars. As Mm -hmm. we are just a handful of days away from the preseason. We're already going to be submerged in a conversation about what this season means for Giannis, what this season means for James Harden, what this season means for Damian Lillard, what this season means for Joel Embiid. To another extent, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, but they've already won titles. LeBron AD already already won titles. And it'll bring up the conversation of, well, what's acceptable? So that's where I'll start. If it's just acceptable to call a star a star, if he's won a title, then as I've said before, I don't know how you wake up in the morning and go about your day. If that's how you gauge success. Is that it? Won a title? That's it? No, you're absolutely right. It's, it's driving me insane that people only classify stars as folks who have have won titles. And I have some historical context I want to put this into, but I want to to hear the rest of your viewing the current landscape right now. Well, I always think of, well, everybody's always compared to to Jordan. And Jordan didn't win a title until his seventh year. So Giannis is going into year eight. James Harden's going into year 12. Damian Lillard, a five-time All-NBA selection going into year nine. Joel Embiid going into his fourth healthy season. The criteria to compare players in in different eras, different competition, different types of teammates, I think is a fool's errand. If you want to compare LeBron v. Jordan, which we've done, and we can continue to do, we can compare their accomplishments. Okay. But I always come back to this. It seems like fans want a title to be nearly impossible to win. But then Mm -hmm. if you don't win it, you're a bum. What else in life is nearly impossible to attain? And if you don't attain it, you're a bum. Like if you're a mountain climber and you don't get (laughs) to the top of Everest, are you a bum? Like, what if you got to a certain point and then had to be airlifted off? Are you a bum? Where else does this exist? Is Dirk's title the only one that's respected? 
I mean, Kobe's title seemed to be held up on some sort of pedestal as if he didn't have Shaq with him. Jordan seemed to be held up on some sort of pedestal as if he didn't have Scottie Pippen with him. The, the moving of the goalposts is enough to drive you insane. Well, Kobe did have titles without, without Shaq. But I know what you mean, the, the early ones, though. Right, the early one, that he, that he won them that early in his career. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 for sure. How about the Raptors, right? Kawhi winning one with the Raptors, but also that one doesn't count as much because of how that was won because of the injuries. <laughs> and now, but though, in the bubble, in spite of that being so different, that being a unique situation, that one counts because again, it's LeBron's fourth. And so <laughs> well, yeah. the LeBron stands. Have, look, look, every, every, every championship, instead of, what did I say? Instead of an asterisk, it comes with like last season should just be put in italics. Right. And I yeah. think so many titles should just come with parentheses next to them. Like, all right, well, <laughs> here's how, here's how they want. And except for Dirks, because they were the underdog and they did it. I was thinking about two guys that's whose careers, if we judge them this way, the way that we do now, um, based upon championships, it would have been so different because it was just a, at a different time. And part of it was because Jordan cast such a shadow over the entire league. So when Jordan's dominance took place and you think about all that he did through the 90s, like it, it casts such a large shadow that that sort of changed, I think, how we view players forever. Now everybody's just compared to Jordan and his greatness. And if anyone will be on that level, and I get it that if you're 40 years old or younger, like, you know, LeBron is your guy and that, that he has surpassed Jordan potentially in, in your mind. Uh, and, and what LeBron has done is, is ridiculous. But I think it is the other guys that get hurt. And I think about two players historically. One is Dominique Wilkins. And the other one is Charles Barkley. Dominique was always thought of as this ridiculous scorer who, who could do all of these things. There was never a question, though, is Dominique Wilkins one of the greatest players of all time? That wasn't a discussion. But his career was so great. Nine-time All-Star. One first-team All-NBA, four second teams. And was possibly the most dominant scorer, at least not named Michael Jordan, in the, in the 80s. Right. Like just truly incredible how he's he scored the basketball. But it wasn't a question of, oh, where does he rank all time? There was just an appreciation for Dominique at the time. Now, people said, OK, he doesn't play as much defense or he doesn't he hasn't won one yet. But it wasn't yet a knock on his ultimate career. And the other guy who has been talked about a lot and now it gets brought up all the time about him being ringless. But I think about at the time while he was playing is Charles Barkley. And we're talking about an 11-time All-Star, five-time first-team All-NBA, five-time second-team All-NBA, reached the finals with the Phoenix Suns. And we think about Barkley with his three different stints playing with the Sixers, being dominant there, of course, in Phoenix. And then, and then in Houston, where, you know, tried the original, hey, let's team up with a bunch of other stars, <laughs> Scotty and Olajuwon, and, and go for it. But again, during the time that they were playing, while Jordan was still having his run, there wasn't this question of where you place Barkley historically. Now, has that been done? 
since his career ended? Yes, people have tried to do that, and they use the lack of rings against him. And maybe that's fair, maybe it isn't, and maybe you can only put him so high because he hasn't won one and because he did get the chance to play with some other great players, certainly at the tail end of his career, like I said, with the Rockets. But what frustrates me is that during their run, there was a lack of appreciation for greatness. I mean, there there was not a lack of appreciation for their greatness. And why that's significant, Noah, is that if you look at today's stars and you start to go down the list, Giannis most notably, but you mentioned guys like like James Harden. Um, obviously, you know, you got Kawhi that's that's one one. LeBron's one, of course, but you talk about Ben Simmons. I mean, you talk about Joel Embiid. You talk about a, a Luka Doncic now. Is when's his the question gonna start popping up for him? The thing with the guys that haven't that haven't won won rings is if we don't appreciate their greatness now, they're going to be gone soon, and then that's it, and we won't get to see them in the present. So that's a loss for us as fans if you don't appreciate the greatness. But the other part that bothers me is that it also influences where those guys then potentially will want to play or how they'll want to get the rings. Like you said, Kevin Durant going to Golden State. If legacy wasn't an issue, and we appreciated KD's greatness without questioning, can he win a ring? He would not have have at least gone to Golden State. Maybe he leaves Oklahoma City, but I don't think he goes to Golden State in 2016 when, when the money was there because of the cap situation. And I don't think there's even a discussion about Giannis at least a year before his deal is up, walking out on Milwaukee and going somewhere else. And so I think that's the most bothersome part to me is that the current talk actually influences players because you try to rank them in terms of their greatness and their legacy and it influences where they feel like they should go obviously we saw that with LeBron when he left Cleveland the first time but then that goes back to our conversation that we had on Tuesday that players say when asked what does this mean for your legacy have you have you thought about your legacy and they say well no that's up for you guys to decide and then when the media does try to decide someone's legacy. Mm -hmm. Then they fight back. Who are you? Only real hoopers know. (laughs) Only real hoopers know. That's the best one. If it, let me ask you this one. If Kevin Durant wins a ring with the Nets this season, how is that viewed? I'm not necessarily saying him or his career. I'm saying, how is that title viewed? Did Kyrie get injured during the season? Like, is Kyrie there for the whole run, or does Kevin Durant have to carry things? Did Giannis end up getting hurt during the season? I mean, there, there's so there's so much at play that, okay, if you win a ring, but it's not just winning a ring, it's how you do it. It's got to be so difficult to pull off in order for it to be respected. For KD this year, coming off Achilles, Anything he does that is great one night is going to be KD is a top five player of all time. Guarantee it. That's coming. Look at what, look what he is doing. Look what he is doing. And I hope it is. I hope it is. But the, if you win a ring, there are just so many caveats that come along with it. Did, and, and all the bullet points underneath it. Did they do it with, a fully healthy team. What else was going on with the teams around them? How many guys got COVID that missed two weeks? 
well, this season was so strange because the lack of travel. Again, it's got to be nearly impossible to win a title for it to be universally respected. But look, nothing's universally respected these days. Nothing. So I don't know why we should expect an NBA title to be universally respected. Coming up, there's always a change in the playoff landscape. One or two teams, each conference, there's always someone in or out. So what happens this year? There's so much goodness on the rejecting the screen feed. And and yeah, I think that's a word, goodness. Mm -hmm. You can go back and listen to the going ISO editions that we've done. The long form interviews with all sorts of former players, coaches, media members. And if you just want to be entertained while learning something, not have anybody talk down to you and just simply enjoy some stories about basketball from the real hoopers, then go back and take a listen. Reggie (laughs) Reggie Theus, I come back to that one all the time. It's one of the longer ones, but -hmm. make sure that's in your queue. Peter Vesey, yes. Even go all the way back to Ryan Russillo. Sam Mitchell. Kevin Willis. Kevin Willis telling stories about Tracy McGrady being a rookie and falling asleep at practice. (laughs) Alvin Williams was telling stories about playing pickup as a kid in Philly with Rasheed Wallace and (laughs) riding around in basically a clown car, walking out of the car and getting to the court, and there's Kobe as a kid. How about... Earl Watson oh, so talking good. about Hubie Brown taking over as his head coach, gathering the team together because they had just started off under Sidney Lowe and telling the whole team they're fucking losers. They're fucking losers. And that's why they hadn't won. And he was going to turn them into winners. How about Adam Morrison talking about how Kobe Bryant gifted him a Didier Drogba jersey that he didn't even know that Kobe had met up with Drogba personally and had him autograph it for Adam Morrison when he was going through a rough time in his life, just gave it to Adam Morrison. Hey, I got this for you. Didn't know that he met up with Drogba, had him sign it for him. And then it wasn't until after his death where he saw a picture of Kobe with Drogba and the autograph and said, oh, that's when he got it for me. He never told me he did it personally himself. He thought to ask this guy, and, you know, the Chelsea Football Club picked up on on that story. There have been so many. Sean Marion, Kenny Anderson, so many great stories, so many great moments. And the reason we spend time telling people is because it's gold right now sitting there for you to go back and listen to. Oh, what am I going to do the rest of the day? Just pop in one of these and you're going to hear stuff I promise you that you have not heard before. So that's all in the rejecting the screen feed. The going ISO editions. We're with you twice a week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Playoff trends. So John Kincaid, who I brought up before, hosts the mm. or co-hosts the big podcast with Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal's podcast. And Kincaid loves to rip on Damian Lillard because he's never done anything. I don't know how anyone could think that Damian Lillard hasn't done anything. 
And whenever it's brought up how he takes the Blazers to the playoffs year after year, he says, Play- who cares about the playoffs? He said, five or six teams under 500 make the playoffs every year. That's what John Kincaid did, who had a local show in Atlanta for years, who has hosted national radio on CBS. And I read is, I keep up on Philly sports media a bit, mm-hmm. is being considered for the morning show host on 97.5 The Fanatic, which is the rival to the longtime Philly sports station, WIP. He said five or six teams under 500 make the playoffs every year. He, of course, did not respond to that when I, when I tweeted to him about it. Rarely, like not even looking, this past year was an anomaly. Rarely are there ever two teams who are under 500 to make the playoffs. Oh, no, no. Five, no, one or, is five, even. Or, five or six teams? Stop it. <laughs> so There's 16 teams that make the playoffs, just so people realize that. That would mean that if you said six, just throwing this out there, that would be three, basically, in each conference. So that's essentially nearly half of the teams <laughs> in each conference are under 500. Do the math. Back it up with some sort of fact. Anyway, I'm not going to even start on what he was saying about Chris Paul. The playoff teams last year, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Miami, Philly, Brooklyn, Orlando. Now, this year, sure, it's going to be different because you'll get the 7, 8, 9, 10 teams, and you'll have those play-in games. Mm-hmm. There's going to be one or two teams that are going to flip out or going to switch out. This year, because of COVID and the protocols, and a positive test could keep you out for two weeks. That's like five games. Who knows when that comes, how it's going to impact your team. It could be devastating for one team and remarkably beneficial for another. So in the Eastern Conference, the teams that I think are locks, as much as a lock could be on paper, that's all we can say right now. Milwaukee, Boston, mm-hmm. Toronto, Miami, Philly, and Brooklyn. There's mm-hmm. six. Mm-hmm. And none of those teams are going to be below 500, by the way. Just let's get no. that out there. Okay. No. No. Now, Indiana, for continuity purposes, I think Indiana has a pretty good shot at the seven, but we don't know if Victor Oladipo can remain healthy. Mm-hmm. The eighth spot's going to be up in the air. Orlando's got plenty of issues. Not having Jonathan Isaac is brutal. Atlanta's offense is killer. We'll see about the defense because last year was non-existent. And Washington, too, that defense was non-existent. So it's those that if there's going to be teams that are going to be flipping, flipping their spots, it's going to be, I think, Orlando, Atlanta, Washington. And if I had to put my money on it, I would put Atlanta in that eighth spot. And that would be the one team that would switch spots. The Hawks are my team in the, in the East uh, for sure that I, I think they get in. What they already had is their young core. They weren't winning last year, but it was the, the, the foundational pieces. Trey Young, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. I don't necessarily love, but but like his potential. John Collins. So you've got those pieces already in place. 
but you you know that Trey Young is so deadly in the pick and roll. He's such an elite passer, and he's a wonderful scorer. So what do you want to surround him with? Well, other shooters, of course, is what Travis Schlenk wants to do. Get shooters on the floor. Well, they go out and do that by getting Danilo Gallinari, who also has serious experience. Um, they get Bogdanovich, wonderful shooter. Plus another guy with experience who's only going to help that backcourt depth leadership comes in in critical spots for Jean Rondo. So now you start to add all those pieces. Then you get Chris Dunn adds to the defensive presence plus great leadership qualities. Now you're changing your team's culture and then throw in the fact that they've got Clint Capella who can run pick and roll with Trey Young and Yaka Kongwu who can also run pick and roll They've got now defensive-minded guys who can run pick and rolls as their fives and more athleticism. This team is ready to make the playoffs, and it came in a hurry, but the Hawks are playoff-bound this year. I am convinced. Man, we'll just see the Trey Young, Lloyd Pierce situation. If Mm -hmm. that bubbles to the surface or those two can make it work together. In the Western Conference, last year's playoff teams, Lakers, Clippers, Denver, Houston, OKC, Utah, Dallas, Portland. Now, OKC is not going to be in. So there's there's the one out. Yep. And Golden State was a title contender until Clay got hurt again. And it's so disappointing still to think about that, that Clay is going to be out this year. Mm-hmm. Golden State would have been the lock in – Hey, we're in New York City. You can hear the sirens. Live with it. Oh, yeah. As long as they're not coming to your house, we're good. So Golden State would be that team that gets into the playoffs. Maybe I think it they're going to be fighting for that eighth spot. Yep. And, but it's so deep that I think you might see even four through ten Mm-hmm. You could say separated by, what, four games maybe? Five oh, games? Yeah. So if you miss the playoffs, sure, it's disappointment. It's a disappointment, and there's going to be always going to be things left on the table, but you're going to see a whole bunch of teams over 500, John Kincaid, missing the playoffs in in the Western Conference. So fighting for those those final few spots, I think because of KP's injury in, in Dallas, I think – it's going to as great as Luca is. I think it's those final spots are going to be Houston, Dallas, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, Memphis, New Orleans. Like think about that. All those teams <laughs> fighting for those final few spots. So if I had to say it now, I'm going to go with Houston being out of the playoffs and OKC. Wow. Wow and OKC being out of the playoffs with Golden State making the playoffs, Phoenix getting the other spot. So you'll have the Lakers, the Clippers, Denver, Utah, Dallas, Portland, Phoenix, Golden State. And the reason, the only reason I say Memphis not in is because of Jaron Jackson's health. Yeah. Okay, so there's my eight. Listen, it's all fair. I I would say, though, two things. I think Golden State's going to be better than you do. Um, so I think that I think they actually move up some. I mean, Steph Curry, healthy, roaring to go, combined with Draymond, 
combined with Andrew Wiggins, combined with Kelly Oubre, combined with James Wiseman, who I think is going to be much better than people have any clue about, uh, not just a rim runner, not just a big, a guy that's going to provide so much for that team, especially on the defensive end. Um, and then you talk about what, you know, the experience the the last year's rookies gained, um, Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole. But that being said, the team that I'm looking at, Noah, is the Pelicans. Um, losing Drew Holiday is a killer for sure. Eric Bledsoe, who you could argue is a positive or a negative, depending on your perspective, but you know he plays hard. You know he's going to commit defensively. You know he's going to be a leader in the backcourt for that team. He's going to at least push Lonzo Ball. You had Brandon Ingram's emergence last year. They they add Steven Adams, and they add Kyra Lewis to the backcourt, who's the quickest guard in the draft, now gives them some different options. His penetration is phenomenal. Plus, they still have J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Jackson Hayes' emergence last year we saw. The real question is going to come down to how much better is Zion making his teammates this year? How healthy is he? How many minutes does he play? And I know it's the real question. I didn't say questions and then proceeded to ask three questions, but it's all because they're related. Zion Williamson played less than 28 minutes a game last year. The team was just 11 and 13 in the games he played. So for me, as Zion now takes this advancement and has to go up to at least 35 minutes a game this season, if he's playing 35 minutes a night, his numbers could explode. How much better does the team get? Is he still as dominant or was it more just a case of him looking dominant because his minutes were limited and he could do a lot in short bursts? Will he be able to have sustained excellence over the course of a game? To me, that determines whether the Pelicans are in the playoffs. Um, and I think the other team, of course, is Phoenix. I mean, you can't count on anything Chris Paul is capable of, and you can't tell me that Devin Booker's not ready. Plus DeAndre Ayton, we saw the suspension last year. He's one of the more underrated bigs in the league. I, he's just that talented. We're going to see it. I, I don't like the pieces they added outside of that. Jay Crowder, fine. I think they could have done more at the 10th pick in the draft instead of Stick Smith, but they feel like he'll be a guy that contributes and gets them a little further as a specialist guy who can shoot and block shots. But in the end, for me, I, I think it's the Pelicans that end up as, as the playoff team that people aren't suspecting uh, that didn't make it last year. Hope so. Then we get to hear Joel Myers' voice even more as the television voice of the New Orleans Pelicans. Coming up, a little bit of life. If you want to be basketball smart, you want to get that way? Mm-hmm. It starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked mm-hmm. On Podcast Network that we're a part of here. NBA analytics pioneer, front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunk Don podcast host Nate Duncan. So you haven't been listening to Dunk Don for years. Nate Duncan and Danny LeBru have been doing this for a long time. To bring mm-hmm. you scouting reports, game breakdowns, salary cap analysis, just something that you can't get anywhere else. So subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcast. And if you've already done that, subscribe to our show, Rejecting the Screen, all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, for the past few weeks, been saying that got some job news, been in the mix for yeah. a dream job. Here's the situation. I dream since I was a little kid, seven, eight years old, NBA team play-by-play announcer. So let's go back two seasons. Two seasons ago, the Charlotte Hornets let go their longtime and only radio voice, Steve Martin, 30 years. And 
I had multiple interviews with the Charlotte Hornets, including one where the phone bill got pretty high because I was on vacation in the Dominican Republic. And I was told it got down to three, and then I did not get the job. They gave the job to Chris Kroger, who was a local radio host in Charlotte, who I do not believe had any play-by-play experience, but he grew up in Charlotte, huge Hornets fan. Everybody in town knew him. It was a dream job for him. He didn't make it the season. He was dismissed unceremoniously, and no one has heard from him since. I mean, there's still questions on Twitter. What happened to Chris Kroger? Where'd he go? I've heard things, but I'm not going to put it out there. But it had to be really bad if you are just sent away from your dream job before completing your very first season on the job. So, given that the season hadn't even ended yet, and from what I heard, it was an an extremely sensitive situation, I waited to reach out to Mike Cristaldi, their VP of communications. And I waited until, I don't know, maybe it was like two weeks after the season, three weeks after the season. And I said, uh, you know, given the sensitivity of the situation, I didn't want to be an ambulance chaser here. And that's actually the advice I'd gotten from somebody who had spoken to somebody on the inside of the Hornets. Hey, don't chase it. You know, let it breathe a bit. And the response I got back was, thanks, we hired somebody. And it completely put me on my heels because, wait a second, just a year ago, I had multiple interviews and was a finalist for this job. So I wrote back out. I said, okay, I'm, 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 pretty disappointed that we never had a conversation, but I hope, I hope this all works out for you guys. Good luck. And they hired the Minnesota Lynx play-by-play announcer. I think it's John. I think it's folk F O C K E. Maybe it was folky. I don't know. And then he got fired pretty publicly this off season or during the bubble because he tweeted something about the jazz nuggets game and nuggets came out as the N word. I don't know, John, I can't cast dispersions on John personally or not. This time I waited about eight minutes to email the Hornets. <laughs> and I you said, couldn't have somebody in place I, by now. You couldn't have somebody. Right, in place. right. Exactly. So, and this was months ago. So I said, this was September, I think. And they said, we're going to take our time. Or basically, I didn't hear back from anybody right away for a while. And then I'd gotten in touch with Fred Whitfield, who's team president, who I'd spoken to before. And a few folks reach out, very well-placed recommendations to Fred. He passed them along. And I finally hear from somebody, you know, as, you know, in October, like, Hey, we're going to, we've got to post the job officially. And when we do, then we'll be in touch. We'd like to talk. Great. They finally do. And it's now we're, now we're looking at about two months before the season is, is starting. They could have gotten this all going a whole lot sooner. And I have a conversation with human resources. It goes very well. I then about 
on draft night, I get an email at 9.45 at night. We'd like to speak to you tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Great. Here we so, go. That was no, so that was November 20th. And this is now two weeks later. It has been crickets since. Crickets. And, and of course, I sent thank you notes and all that. And I just get an email about 30 minutes before we start recording from Human Resources. Good luck with all your future endeavors. So I write back to the woman in Human Resources and CC the VP Communications. I'm very disappointed. Again, I'd love to speak on the phone so that in the future, this decision could go my way. Please let me know when you're available. I hope the hire works out. Always professional. And I don't know when I'll hear back. And I hope it works out for them, I guess. But after two, one mysterious firing and then an extremely public firing, you'd think someone that would have the backing of the league, someone that would have the backing of media all over the country, someone who would do anything for your organization at any time and represent them on and off the air in a way that they would be proud every single moment, not just of me, but of my family, on top of 15 years of play-by-play experience, that this would have been a slam dunk. And it's extremely disappointing. But what makes it even more disappointing is the fact that this happened now on December 2nd, that all of this could have been handled months ago. And the season is starting in 20 days and opening day actually is my birthday would have been a great present. And then also not to even get a phone call and not to hear from the person who is making the decision. I understand how HR works. I get it. I get it. Now also, when am I ever going to hear some sort of feedback. Here's why you didn't get it. I would love an explanation. I'm open to it. Just tell me why. Tell me why. That's all I ask. How else is anybody in any job supposed to move forward, get better, improve their own standing without real honest feedback? And if you're offering real honest feedback, don't expect the person on the other line, to then chew your head off. I just want to hear feedback. How can I get better? How can I make this situation go in my favor next time? So that's the latest on a little bit of life and how the Charlotte Hornets radio job for the second time in three seasons is not mine. I just want to say I appreciate you sharing that. I think the people listening... We'll appreciate it. Getting some insight, getting some candor that's not typical when people are going through this process. I think people also need to understand general in the hiring process that there's a level of professionalism should take place. And it's not that hard to make that phone call. You know, it's it's easy to send the email. It's not that hard to make the phone call and say, hey, here's why we went in a different direction. Even if you do say, there's not really much else we could have done. We just like the other guy better. And the truth is we asked that out of high school recruits when they turned down colleges, those kids call up the coaches and say, Hey coach, I'm not going to come play for you. I'm going for another coach. We ask high school kids to do that. You would think that professional organizations would show 
other professionals the same courtesy. And the biggest thing is I know that if people don't know you, although listen to a podcast at all, they, they've gotten a sense of who you are, that your kindness, generosity, the person you are, and your humility is, is not lost on most people. And they understand the kind of guy you are and how talented you are. And the Hornets and these other teams are missing out and someone is going to land a superstar. So I feel for you as your friend. And I just want you to know they missed out. It's their loss. And the next one's coming soon. So whoever's there listening might be hearing this and saying, Oh, that's the kind of guy we want representing our organization. I can <laughs> promise you, you got a star in Noah Kozlo. I appreciate that pal. But these types of things aren't often talked about. Like when you don't get the job, mm-hmm. and I've, I've never talked about it before, but I thought that in this instance, because of, how, because of how it was handled and how I think it's a microcosm of how I think things are being handled these days, just mm-hmm. the, the lack of consideration. Yep. That's it. That's so it. So if you're going to take it down to this point, December 2nd, okay? And you know that you've got a wife, a daughter, school, living here. You'd think that, one, maybe it wouldn't have taken these two weeks that there should have been a bit more of a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And then the phone call, hey, we know that you've probably been up late at night thinking about this. And here's why it took so long. And we are really sorry. Like we, we should have handled this differently. That would make me feel a whole lot better. So I'm not, I'm not someone who puts people, organizations on blast for how they hand, because I didn't get the job. Like, I think, I think a little bit of transparency into how the process works hopefully helps others in the position of hiring and also helps others who may be going for these types of jobs try to deal with their own disappointment at the same time. One thing about the both of us, we will always, always be honest. I can tell you that much. We're on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam's on Twitter at NaismithLiz. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. We appreciate the feedback. Continue to bring it on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA, five days a week. Told you about Hollinger and Duncan, Locked On Fantasy Hoops with Josh Lloyd, and of course, your team every single day, all 30 teams every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.